Well, good morning, Springbrook. I'm back here. If you can't see me, hi. Welcome in to worship this morning. We are so glad that you are with us. If we haven't had the chance to meet yet, my name is Bethany. I'm the worship director here. And it is our privilege, our absolute honor to be with you as we come before the Lord today. We're expecting of him to move in mighty, mighty ways in our time together. So thank you for being here. If you're joining us online for our 9 o'clock service, we have online hosts who are available for you all throughout the service. They would love to answer your questions. They would love to pray with you. We want you to feel connected and engaged with what the Lord is doing in this place, in this family, no matter where you are this morning. Well, I'd love to invite you to stand, if you are able, in body or in spirit, for our call to worship, which comes from Luke 24. And in this passage in Luke, we see Jesus encountering a couple of people walking on the road to Emmaus after Christ has resurrected. And of course, they don't know yet that he's resurrected, and so they're grieving and they're wondering, what in the world is going on? Jesus comes alongside them and begins to explain the scriptures to them. And starting in verse 28, it says this. So they drew near to the village to which they were going. He, Jesus, acted as if he were going farther, but they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is now far spent. So he went in to stay with them. While he was at the table with them, he took the bread and blessed and broke it and gave it to them. And their eyes were opened, and they recognized him. And he vanished from their sight. They said to each other, Did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road, while he opened to us the scriptures? Did not our hearts burn within us? And that is what we have the opportunity to experience today. The very real presence of Jesus is in this place, and our hearts burn for him. So let's lift our voices together and worship to our King and our Savior, Jesus.
Amen. Well, our scripture reading for today comes from Psalm 84, and it says this. How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord of hosts. My soul longs, yes, faints, for the courts of the Lord. My heart and flesh sing for joy to the living God. Even the sparrow finds a home, and the swallow a nest for herself, where she may lay her young at your altars, O Lord of hosts, my King and my God. Blessed are those who dwell in your house, ever singing your praise. For a day, one day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. For the Lord God is a sun and a shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. It says no good thing. No good thing is God withholding from you today. And I know, I know that can be really hard to believe when you're walking through hard times. It can be hard to believe when you're grieving, when you're looking around at this world and all is not as it should be. It can be hard to believe. And so this morning we're going to sing this song that proclaims over and over again that you're never going to let me down. And friends, it is okay if you have trouble believing that today. Maybe right now it feels like God is letting you down. Because sometimes we sing something because we already believe that it's true. And sometimes we have to sing it again and again and again and convince our hearts, oh my soul, believe that the Lord is every bit as good as he says he is. He is not withholding himself from you today. He is present. He is speaking. Let's sing this out together in faith that he is good. He is so, so good.
for the Lord in prayer together this morning. Father, that is our hope, our only hope, is that you really are as good as you say you are. I lift up each person in this room today before you, God. No one's here by mistake. No one's here by accident or coincidence. You knew before you said, let there be light. Which of your children be gathered in this place today? And so you have something. You have a purpose for us here. You have an intention of something you want to show us of yourself today. God, will you give us the eyes to see you for all that you are? And in that, will you show us who we are meant to be? Who you created us to be? We confess that we are making mistakes every single day. We have not loved you as we ought to. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. But God, we come to you again. We return to you this morning and ask for you to make us new. Give us hope. Give us strength and courage to face the day ahead. 
knowing that you are already there. Will you minister to each heart, Holy Spirit, in this moment? Will you touch each heart? For those in this room, and I believe there are some in this room right now who feel like you have been far away for a long, long time. There's some holding on to faith by their fingernails who are afraid that they're going to lose their grip completely. Will you remind them in this moment that you are holding on to them? They are held and they are known and they are seen and they are loved by you. We lift up our time to you this morning. Holy Spirit, we need you. We need you to come. Open our eyes to your purposes in us today. Open our ears that we might hear clearly, our hearts that we might receive something from you and go from this place more equipped and ready and energized to live for you. Father, we love you and all of this is for you. It's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. And you did. So today we're painting a house for Nicholas Lopez. We've been painting all the trim at the front of the house. We got trim up on the top, painting up there. And a few of us are pulling weeds, especially me. I've been out front and off to the side. Yeah, doing a good job. How hot is it? It's a pretty warm day today, but I'm in the shade, thankfully, right now. Like you step on a train By the time you get off I swear everything's changed No trick of the lie But how you know it was true Well it's hard to explain You were held by the view But the old chapter's over And a new one begins No room for composure Now the door's open wide And you're walking in
Sunday, chasing down a Sunday train. Full stop. Is everybody ready? I could hear him walking up to say. I said my bags are packed. I'm really not ready, and I'm thinking maybe I can't stay. He said, Stay. He said, Stay. Hi. Um, so a few months ago, I was diagnosed with a chronic illness that Satan has really used to his advantage to test my faith. Um, this morning, when I found out I had the opportunity to be baptized, I was so excited. Um, but by mid-afternoon today, I found myself in the midst of the worst flare-up I have had in months. Um, and I found myself approaching this disease for the very first time today. I met it with prayer, and I met it with joy, and I met it with an increased, incredible love for my Creator. Um, and the way that He has met me through this in the midst of the sorrow, in the midst of this grief. And so I've looked back on how my faith has changed this last week and just my increased confidence in allowing myself to step back and be calm, the daughter of God who Christ says I have the potential to be, even in the midst of an earthly body that is failing me. And there is so much freedom I have found in relinquishing that control. We're going to go ahead and play a slideshow just with some of the other pictures that we have from the trip. So um, this is part of the 21 members of our team that we sent to Minnesota on a missions trip just last week. Um, I have to tell Matt's joke. Um, we went to the Twin Cities, but we weren't sure which one because they looked the same. So you're welcome, Matt. Killed it. Um, so on this work project, you've seen and you will continue to see some of the work sites. We painted a house and a little bit extra um, that was a bit of a struggle. Vinny said it was warm. It was almost triple digits and very humid, so it was a little bit more than just warm. Um, we got to work with an organization called Good in the Hood. We sorted five pallets of shoes that are then going to be sold to uh, members of the community for a very cheap cost to then feed other members of the community. They feed one person a week for $2.50 for the whole week, and they feed tens of thousands of people um, throughout the entire year, we worked with an organization called Godtown that is slowly taking over one block at a time in lower income parts of St. Paul. Um, we got to work with a really cool motorcycle gang called the Cash Money Riders to throw some events um, to feed and host and spread the gospel to members of that community. Um, so the work projects were see that we went and spent some time with some elementary school kids for a Tuesday afternoon 
Um, we blitzed the neighborhoods, telling the community about the great things um, that Godtown is doing and inviting them on to it. So it was really cool for all the work projects, but um, to me the coolest part was this group. Um, throughout the entire trip, I mean, there was very clear transformation, as we saw just one example in the baptism, but this group, I think, was challenged. Would you guys agree? Just a little bit. We slept, all the guys slept in one room, all the girls slept in another room, and those rooms, that was a challenge, just to smell alone by the end of the week. (laughs) But there was teaching time, there was team time where we met as a group and discussed what we had learned throughout the day, what we had learned at the teaching time, and it was so sweet just to watch so many students grow in so many different ways. But We also grew as a cohesive team. Um, at the beginning of the trip, I think it was easy to say, oh, I know them from church. But by the end of the trip, when you spend all week together in all parts of your day working in the crazy heat and dealing with each other when you're hungry and hot and tired, um, by the end of the trip, I think, would you say that we're a little bit closer than we were before? So it was really sweet to see the things that the Lord has done Um, on this trip and in this team and through this team. Um, Even though we maybe didn't always have the proper uh, equipment and sometimes projects took a little bit longer than we wanted them to, but um, in the end, the Lord used that um, for the good of the community and for the good of our team. So I don't know how much longer is left on the slideshow, Matt. All right. Matt's going to come up and say some things because we have a few yeah. baptisms. Yeah. Okay, well, while they're wanting to watch the rest of the slideshow, I guess. So, um, <laughs> so while they're watching the slideshow for like a minute-ish, um, I want to tell you the coolest moment for me when we were at the, the house, the first house we were painting, um, we, went, we went on this mission trip like five years ago. And my memory from five years ago was um, one of the days uh, we went to a Salvation Army and at a garden, they told us they wanted us to break down this giant bulb because they were like, break it down into a bunch of little bulbs and then we'll plant it all over and they'll all grow. And I was like, does that work? And they were like, we don't know. And then we're like, what are we breaking it down with? And the guy was like, well, I want to, I don't know. And then he went and got us a meat cleaver. So on this trip, I thought we would have all the appropriate equipment because they asked us to paint a two-story house um, and then a second two-story house. Um, we did not, um, and because we had Phil Gannison, um, we were able to like work through that. Um, and on the second day, um, in the, our group split in half, and a big group went and served in the community. The other group kept painting that house, and we did one side of the house, which was pretty reasonable, up on the lifts and ladders and stuff. And then we got to the other side where the ladders had to be at like an 80 degree angle um, just because of the amount of space we had. And it was so windy and everyone was so tired. It was almost 100 degrees. And we, we like stopped and we, guys, the slideshow's repeating. That's, what, that's what's happening. I, I'm sorry, everybody, I just realized. But so we're, we're up there like that. Um, and, and we got there and there were just gusts of wind. And we were like, we may not get this side done today, but it was supposed to be worse the next day. And so we prayed as a group and just said, Lord, can you just stop the wind? And by the time we got the equipment set up, just still. 
And then we painted the whole house, and as we got like the last sprays done and started going down the ladders, the wind just picked right back up. And it was really, really amazing. And then Preston K, um, the, one of the days there's a house with hornets all over, and we went through like three cans of wasp spray on them. We should have had hornet spray. But, um, and we sprayed them, and they just kept coming. And then Preston went up there, and it didn't make it in the video because I want his wife to let him go on more trips. But we have this video for like a few seconds where there are like seven wasps just circling him. And I'm just sitting there praying and watching nothing happen. We got the whole house done. I just, God moved in awesome ways. And I want you to hear about that from people besides me. No, the, the, the people getting baptized. So we, uh, this is what you learn on mission trips. You learn to go with the flow. Flow, like baptism, water, joke. So, all right. Well, these three young people are going to get baptized today. But first, they're going to share. I asked you guys a question. I don't remember what it was. Something about how you saw God moving this week. So they're going to answer that. And maybe say your name. Hi, my name is Abigail Suarez. Um, I was on the missions trip. Um, and a way I really saw God work through everyone was just in a general way. Like when we only had like 10 minutes left at each work site, all of a sudden everyone would be speeding up. Everything would be going faster. We'd be doing more than what we thought we were going to end up getting done. And that was a way God really worked through us. Hi, my name is Jasmine Pahe. I was also on the missions trip. Um, this week I saw God moving in all of us. He gave us the strength and confidence to connect and build relationships with families and, and little kids and helping them start their journey um, to trusting God and learning to love others and love God, which is what we all learned this week too. Hi, hello, I'm Bay Manzella and today and on the trip through God's love, I saw all of us work our hardest at every single work site. And one of my favorite highlights of this entire trip is when we went blitzing around the neighborhood with flyers and inviting people to come to the events for free food and just a bunch of fun for the family. And overall, it's a great trip, and I do plan on going next year. Let's do some baptism. Do you have your phone in? No. <laughs> I almost did that at the water park. Um, so, Vinny, do you believe Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior? Do you believe he's God's son? Do you believe he died on the cross for your sins? Do you believe he rose from the dead? Do you believe he's ascended into heaven and he reigns and he's returning? And I baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Be, be careful, it's warm. Jasmine, do 
you believe Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior? Do you believe he's fully God? Do you believe he died on the cross for your sins? Do you believe he rose from the dead? Do you believe he ascended to heaven and he reigns and he's returning? Then I baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and the Spirit. Abigail, do you believe Jesus Christ is God's son? Do you believe he's your Lord and Savior? Do you believe he died on the cross for your sins? Do you believe he rose from the dead? Do you believe he ascended, he reigns, and he's returning? All right, are you ready? Baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Well, while the team goes and sits back down and someone brings out the TV and I gingerly step over the water, I just want to tell you this was an awesome mission trip. Um, I... You got it. All right. I thought I lost Kyle. So all week I didn't think I ever lost Kyle. He was amazing this whole week, just killing it every which way. But um, I want to tell you all, this was one of my favorite mission trips I've ever been on, and it didn't start that way because um, this was the first mission trip where I was far away from Jess and the kids. Last year when we went on the mission trip, we were like within a week of Levi being born, and I didn't really think about it because I was like, well, we're like an hour away, but this trip, the whole time I was sitting there thinking, man... God is doing amazing things, and, and early in the week, I was really struggling with, I feel like I'm missing things, but by like the second or third day, I was like, I'm not missing anything, because I'm right where God wants me. It was an awesome week, and I, I feel like our team, I mean, you can see on <laughs> last Sunday, we took, no one wanted to stand next to each other, and this week, we kind of wanted to stand next to each other, um, a, lot, a lot closer together, and it's just been really cool to see how God's been working in our group. I need to drink water real quick. Something you learn on mission trips is that nothing ever goes as you plan, and you just go with the flow. And I want to bring that to all of you, because I had to choose between getting a video done and cutting my sermon down. So uh, I'm going to open up in prayer, and then we'll jump in. Father, you are so good. Um, Father, we thank you for all four of the young people who wanted to publicly declare what you are doing in their life. They wanted to publicly declare that you are their God, that you are their Lord and Savior. We thank you that we got to celebrate with them, with Lilia Friday night and with Abigail, Jasmine, and Vinny this morning. Um, we thank you that that is not the sum of what was done on this trip, but we thank you that we get to experience that together. Um, Father, as we reflect on and consider mission, I pray that this message would speak to our hearts. I pray that you would speak through me. It would be your words and not mine. Um, Father, I pray that on the hearts of everyone here, after what they've seen and heard, would be 
wanting to get involved, wanting to see this done. And I pray we wouldn't think we have to drive far away to do it. Um, but I, I pray that right now your spirit would be moving. You would give us ears to hear, Lord. It's in your name we pray. Amen. So we're going to be in John chapter 4 today. And if you have a Bible, I'd encourage you to open up. We're going to be looking at a famous story. Um, and it's a story about the disciples, a woman, a well, some Samaritans, and Jesus. I'm going to lose the clicker if I don't. I didn't have to use the clicker on the trip, and I, that was a revelation for me that I don't need a clicker. It's like a, it's like a safety blanket, but I've got it today, so I'm going to use it. We're going to jump right in, but I want to tell you, um, the, the theme of this trip was love recklessly, um, and I started the trip. Um, I, I hate the word reckless in any association with God because God is intentional, God is deliberate, God is all-knowing, all-powerful, everywhere. The attributes of God do not coexist with recklessness. But the theme of the trip was the idea of, of loving in such a way that the world sees it and says, that is just absolutely reckless. Because a God who would come and, and, and become flesh and subject himself and humble himself to what Jesus humbled himself for on our behalf that is a gospel of good news that, that is just hard for us to imagine. And, and in our modern view, in any worldview where we hear that, if we do not know the love of Jesus and the love of God without the Holy Spirit, we cannot help but think that is reckless. But we're going to read a story today that sums up everything we learned all week in, in the story of the woman at the well. And I'm going to jump in. We're going to get going. Um, and I, I want you all to know, students, this is a reminder because this was like the summary lesson, right? So... So hopefully at the end of this, you'll be like, okay, I remember something that I probably forgot between the, the sleep and the sun, not sunstroke, but like all the sun from the water park and all the food we ate Friday night. So, yeah. So if you've got your Bibles, we're in John 4, and it begins, now when Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus was making and baptizing more disciples than John, John the Baptist here, and then in parentheses it says, although Jesus himself did not baptize but only his disciples. So this story starts with a picture of Jesus was out preaching and his disciples were involved with him doing the work. They were baptizing Jews in the river of Jordan that were starting to say, we're, we're going to follow the Messiah, or they think they are. And they're starting to believe in Jesus in such a way that they're being baptized. And so the start of this story, we cannot forget, is a picture of the disciples doing the work of Jesus, or at least doing the work of Jesus, as we will see. So he left Judea and he departed for Galilee, and the fastest way to get there was for them to pass through Samaria. And we'll talk about the Samaritans in a minute, but the Jews, when they passed through Samaria, they went quick. Um, it was like driving through Wisconsin. Um, everyone just, our, our drive up to Minneapolis, I could not believe how fast everyone just drives through Wisconsin. Um, I don't know, I'd slow down for the gas prices, but um, they, they, were, they were all, they, they were going through, and then they come to this town called Sychar, and it's near the field that Jacob had given his son Joseph, Jacob's well was there, and, and we'll talk about the significance of this town in a moment, but they get there, and Jesus, he is wearied from his journey, and so he sits down beside the well, Jacob's well, it was about the sixth hour. And when we read six hour, we may think 6 a.m. or 
something, I don't know, but, but what you should think is noon-ish, or it, it's the six hour from after the sun comes up, and so it's, it's starting to be the hottest time of the day, and Jesus is wearied, and he sits down by the well. A woman from Samaria came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, give me a drink, for his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. So Jesus is sitting at the well, and his disciples have gone into the town of Sychar to buy food. And Jesus is just hanging out. It's the hottest time of the day. And a woman of Samaria comes up to get water. Now, in our modern culture, we, we probably don't, like, like, and maybe some of you are practical right now, and you're saying, why is she getting water right now? It's the hottest time of the day. It's a great question. We're going to find out why in a minute. But, but I will tell you that in their day, that was not a task you did alone. A woman, singular, going out in the middle of the day to a well to get water was not something you would expect to see at all. It tells us something's wrong with the picture already. Something else is wrong with the picture because Jesus spoke to her. When Jesus says to her, give me a drink, she she can't help but respond. She says, how is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a a woman of Samaria? And in parentheses it says, for Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. So she's saying, why are you talking to me? You're Jewish. I'm a woman of Samaria. We have, we have no reason to talk. About, talk. You, you don't deal with us. We don't deal with you. And here, we start to see a different kind of picture. Um, I want to I tell you about Samaritans and Jews. Once you hear this, you're going to be like, so many stories in the Bible make so much more sense. Story of the Good Samaritan um, this just adds so many layers to it. Um, but So the Samaritans were descendants of Jacob, Jacob's well. But if you're descendants of a- Jacob, you're also descendants of Isaac and Abraham, right? Like they're same ancestry, but they, in this story we see she's going to so- call herself a descendant of Jacob because where are they? At Jacob's well. The Jews were descendants of Abraham. So that's like the same line, right? I hope you all see that. Um, and, and the difference between them the, the first difference between them is that the Jews, when the exiles happened, the Jews went into exile in Babylon and Persia. The, the Samaritans maybe went into exile. Some of them didn't. A lot of them stuck around, um, they, uh, like when the exiles happened, and then they intermarried with the other people. And so the Jews looked at the Samaritans and thought, you don't have the same ancestry as us. There was a clear break that happened. The next break, and this one is incredibly important, we're we're sitting in Samaria in this story. The Samaritans believed this much of the Old Testament. They believed in the book of Moses. That's it. The Jews said, hey guys, you're missing a lot. The Jews said, "We, we believe in the whole Old Testament. And, and you may say, well, this is like a minor thing, but, but it's really not, because what happens out of this is if you go to the end of Deuteronomy, Moses commands the people to go to this mountain called Mount Gerizim, and there's another mountain, but Mount Gerizim was the mountain of blessing, and when they entered the promised land after Moses died in the book of Joshua, they went to Mount Gerizim, and they read the blessings, the covenant that they had with God. That is where they established the covenant with God in the book of Joshua, in the promised land, and the Jews are like, but let me tell you about Jerusalem, and they both wound up having a temple, and, and these two temples, both people claim the covenant with God existed in 
their temple. And these could not coexist. In fact, there's stories of the Jews at one point when they had some power in like the three or 200 BCs. I don't know how you say 200 or three. No, it's 300 or 200, right? Because you're going in reverse. BCs, they actually went and they defaced the Samaritan temple. And the Samaritans tried to do the same thing back. These people hated each other. And they hated each other because if, if the Jews are right, the whole Samaritan belief system and the way they worship is wrong. If the Samaritans are right, everything the Jews are doing is wrong. They cannot coexist. They cannot say, well, let's find a middle ground and find a mountain in the middle because <laughs> it wouldn't work. Um, and, and so we, we come to this story, and when this woman says, why are you a Jew talking to me, a woman of Samaria? She's saying, we've got nothing to talk about. And at this point, you might think Jesus is going to say, well, we're right and you're wrong. But Jesus says, instead, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Now, okay, okay, I shouldn't have moved the slide yet. See, clicker problems. But um, uh, so think about this. When Jesus says, if you knew the gift of God, Jesus is saying, if you knew this, that's what she's thinking. She's thinking we're in a battle. Right now, we're in a theological debate of some kind, or she's thinking my beliefs are being assaulted by this guy who's thirsty, and now he's telling me he wants to give me water. She says to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw water with, and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? You see? She's like right back at him, like, hmm, you think you're God's gift? Let me tell you about our gift, and, and Jesus is God's gift to the world. So, I mean, it's a, it's a good conversation happening right now. Um, and, and she says, he gave us, Jacob gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and livestock. She's v- validating the Samaritan worldview here. Jesus said to her, everyone who drinks of this water, this water from Jacob, will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water. And it's here that we start to see the story of this woman unfold a bit more. One, so she'll never be thirsty. And two, so she'll never have to alone come back and get water in the heat of the day. And we still don't know why, but, but Jesus says, I give living water. She says, I want that living water. And now this is the point where you think Jesus is about to unveil the gospel message, right? Like this is the point where you say, well, let me tell you about the Romans road or the pre-Romans road. Um, and, and then Jesus says to her, go, call your husband and come here. So he, he skips the whole gospel presenting part. Um, he, he says, go call your husband and come here. The woman answered him, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you are right in saying you have no husband. He affirms her, and then he keeps going, I have no husband. Um, For you have had five husbands, and the one you have now is not your husband. What you have said is true. It's a really awkward way of affirming her, but he says, you're right. You have no husband. You've had five. You're with someone else right now. And we talked about this in the Matthew series. Um, in that day, the, the Jews and the Samaritans would have followed this as well because it was in the book of Moses. In that day, 
If a man wanted to divorce a woman, he got a certificate that basically said, I don't want her anymore. She's not my problem anymore. And so this woman had that five times. And the man she was with didn't even want her enough to marry her. And that's why she's out at a well in the heat of the day, all alone, saying, I want this water so I don't have to do this again. The woman at this point, um, I, I cannot imagine how she felt, but I, I do think she tried to change the subject. But also I think she's in awe of what she's hearing. And what she says to him is, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Good perception here. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain. And this is where we go back one. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, Mount Gerizim. That's the one we think we're supposed to worship on. But you, a Jew, say that in Jerusalem is where we are supposed to worship. Jesus says to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain, and, and when he says on this mountain, Jacob's well is not quite at the base, but from Jacob's well you could look and you could see Mount Gerizim. And he says, it's not on this mountain. The hour is coming when not on this mountain, where you guys think you're supposed to worship, nor in Jerusalem. You guys aren't right, but pretty quick here, the Jews won't be right any longer either. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. Okay. Well, one more time. You know this, right? Like, were you guys sleeping when I taught? Okay. Um, okay, I'll explain it. And I was hoping the second time you guys would really. Okay, when Jesus says this, what Jesus is saying here is, you guys are wrong. You guys are wrong. He is not saying anything less than that. He is saying your truth is wrong. And that is such a shocking thing in the middle of this moment. He says, the Jews say you should worship here. The Samaritans say you should worship here. Pretty quick, a time is coming when it won't be either. By the way, salvation is from the Jews, which means salvation is not from the Samaritans. So when he says, you worship what you do not know, we worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews, <gasps> better, better. I wasn't very compelling on the trip. Um, but the, uh, the point here is that this is a moment where Jesus is saying, you're wrong, and the woman's going to have to decide, is it truth or is it not? But Jesus keeps going, and he says, the hour is coming and is now here when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. It's not going to be about where you worship. It's going to be about who you worship. How do we know this? Because God is spirit. God is not, God is not confined to Jerusalem temple or Mount Gerizim temple. God is not confined to this church or the church we were at in Minneapolis or the places we served. God is spirit. He is everywhere. And those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. It's not about where you worship. It's about who you worship and worshiping 
with belief that leads to action. The woman says to him at this point, because he's just made a really big claim, right? He said, you guys are just completely wrong. But God is going to invite everyone to worship him. And she says to him, I know that Messiah is coming, he who is called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. Good job. For the first time, for the first time in the book of John, for the first time in the book of John, Jesus says out loud, he's the Messiah. It doesn't happen in John 3 when Jesus talks to Nicodemus. Um, quick plug for my How to Study the Bible course. It's taking place starting August 1st or 8th. You can sign up online. Um, one of the first things we talk about is John 3.16 and how in some Bibles it's in red and some Bibles it's in black. should be black, personal opinion, but um, I think I can back it up. But John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever, whosoever shall believe in him, I'm mixing up everything right now, shall not perish, but shall have eternal life. The, the, that, when that is said, that happens after Nicodemus comes to Jesus. When does Nicodemus come to Jesus? In darkness. He comes at night, and now Jesus publicly in day to a woman that Jews have no dealing with, for the first time says, I am the Messiah. (sighs) They're tired. They got more sleep than me. It's okay. Um, So just then, just then, because remember, the story started with the disciples doing work. Just then, his disciples came back. They marveled that he was talking with a woman because Jews have no dealing with Samaritans. And, and, but no one said to, him, to her, what do you seek? And no one said to him, why are you talking with her? They're just like, what on earth is happening? We don't have dealings with Samaritans. We don't need to know what happened here. Um, so the woman left her water jar. Why did the woman come? To get water in the heat of the day when she wouldn't have to be around people left her water jar, and went into the town and said to all the people, come, see a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? Come, see a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? This woman declares this to the town in the heat of the day when they would have known. That's when she went to the well so that they didn't have to be around her, so she didn't have to be around them. There would have been a whole bunch of women there that, and men there that would have said, we already know everything you ever did. But so persuasive are her words that they went out of the town and were coming to him. Meanwhile, as they were coming out of the town to see him, meanwhile, the disciples were urging him, saying, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you do not know about. He's weary, but he tells them, I I don't need this kind of food. So the disciples said to one another, has anyone brought him something to eat? (laughs) They don't get it. (laughs) They don't get it. They're, They're like, did somebody bring you a sandwich while we were gone? And Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. Do you not say there are yet four months, then comes the harvest? Look, 
I tell you, lift up your eyes. Why do they need to lift up their eyes? Because the woman left her water jar and went into the town and said to the people, come, see a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? They went out of the town and were coming to him. Look, I tell you, lift up your eyes and see that the fields are white for harvest. You were in that town and you brought back food. And that's it. Chumps. Chumps. Already the one, the woman, who reaps is receiving wages and gathering fruit for eternal life. For God so loved the world. And, and so that the sower and reaper may rejoice together. For here the saying holds true. One sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap that for which you did not labor. Guys, why, why did you not bring anyone from the town? Others have labored, and now you're about to enter into their labor. This is a story about a woman at a well, but it's also a story about the worst way to follow Jesus. The worst way to follow Jesus is to do the work, to do the work of serving and do the work that makes it look like you love Jesus, but only do it when it, when it matters in the sense of only do it inside the cultural bounds of your religion. For us on the trip, remember, this is what we talked about. If you off the back of this trip never do anything else with what you learned on this trip, if you don't tell people, come and see Jesus, the one who knows everything about me, this is the Christ, if you don't do that, you guys are posers, right? Like, I mean, that's, you're like the disciples in this story. The disciples in this story, don't be like the disciples in John 4. In church, if you're thinking, I wish I could have gone on that mission trip so I could have an impact for the kingdom of God, God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. God's not confined to whichever city in the Twin Cities we were at. It was St. Paul the whole time. Um, but, but God is not confined to a space. God is not confined to a place like our church. I, the, if, if you're sitting here thinking, I wish I had an experience like that, the real experience we had this week was that we were together in community, in prayer, in the word together, and we were going out together and we were announcing the good news of the kingdom of God. And guess what? That is not confined to a space. Don't be like the disciples in this story. There are other places where it'd be great if you were like the disciples. But in John 4, you're supposed to read about the disciples and say, man, they were really excited about baptizing people, but they were not excited about doing the work of Jesus when it wasn't something that gave them prestige. We need people to serve here to keep our church running and keep our church afloat. I don't want to diminish that because it's so important that we build community and we do these things together. But if your service to God never leaves these four doors, there's like 50 doors here. But if your service to God never leaves this building or the land we own, and you see, I'm trying to, I'm trying to give you no outs right now. If your service to God only happens when you're around other church people, and if you only serve the people in here, where's the world is supposed to know us by our love for each other, but if they never see our love for each other, what on earth are we doing? We're like the disciples in this story who had been declaring to people, they'd left everything behind for the gospel, sort of, for, for their prestige, because that's what they wanted at this point, right? What they wanted was they wanted to be close to Jesus, because if he was the Messiah, when he became, became king, they would be right under him because they'd be his closest followers. That's what they were after. Jesus, the one who the night he was betrayed, 
washed their feet. He loved them well to the end. It's a disgusting act. We did it on the trip, <laughs> and we did it without letting everyone shower and, like, do any. It was so gross. The water by the end. And that was water without animal feces, because if they were walking around in Jerusalem before the fa- Passover, it would have been a disgusting thing. And Jesus, as he washed their feet, did it to love them to the end. Jesus, as he broke bread, did it to love them to the end. Jesus, as he passed out the cup and said, this is my blood spilled for you, was loving us to the end. He wanted us to remember and celebrate and participate in that moment. And it can't be confined to a space. And if your faith is confined to a space, you know what the most like condemning thing about the disciples is in this story, I think, is that they called Jesus rabbi. People who call Jesus rabbi in the Bible are missing it. People who know who Jesus is, they call him Lord. Don't be like the disciples in John chapter 4. Be like the apostles in Acts. Don't be like the disciples in John chapter 4. If you feel like that's who you are now, there's good news. (laughs) There's good news right now. God is spirit. And those who worship him worship in spirit and truth. He's with you wherever you are. He's with you when you're on top of a ladder feeling terrified and and you're thinking, man, this was stupid. I hope I see my kids again. He's with you the second time you do that. Um, He's with you the third time you do that. He's with you when you have, like, not, like, heat exhaustion and then you get told you have to dance on stage before you teach. Um, Not today. On the trip, I, like, um, like I felt like I was going to pass out, I think. I don't remember. People, I thought I had a whole conversation with people while up on a ladder, and they told me I didn't say anything, and then they had to help me down the ladder, and then that night I preached, and I danced, and I, I am just in awe of the way the Lord got me through that. The next day, I didn't have enough energy to walk around, but me and Kyle saw a guy who was just watching our groups worship, like, on a city block, and this guy was just staring at us, so we went over and we talked to him, and he brought his family to a block party because he talked to us. We, we talked to everyone that we could while we were working on sites. Adam Baker, I didn't videotape this because it would have been creepy and I think a woman would have walked away, but Adam sat talking to a neighbor telling her all about why our group was there, why we were painting this house, and then talked to her again the second day when we didn't finish the house. And, and I was just in awe of your willingness to go talk with her. You're a dog person though, you were killing it. Like he went up and said, can I pet your dog? Can I tell you about Jesus? Look at that. All of you who are not afraid of dogs, you now have an inroad, okay? I just had a good idea. I'm sorry. For everyone else, I just had a good idea. Like, if you named your dog Jesus, you could, or no, like, name it like one of the apostles' name, and then they say, that's an unusual, why did you name your job Bartholomew? You can say, well, that was one of Jesus' followers. Let me, see, look, we're, we're in sync right now. Um, we're not in sync. We don't have those dance moves. But, um, So, I'm sorry, everyone, I'm goofy, but we're going to keep going. Don't be like the disciples in this story. Be like the Samaritan woman who said, come and see the man who told me all I ever did. When when she said to Jesus, I wanted the living water, Jesus said, we got to deal with sin first. The imagery we used on the trip, one of the speakers, one of the nights, he had a vase, and he he dropped it, and it just shattered. And and he just talked about, that's how broken we are because of sin. And then he had a restored one that he brought out that had all the like glue and stuff and he said that's what Jesus does to us and then he pointed out and it's even better because we're made fully new and so in Jesus he he did not look at this woman and say yeah let's just let's just say a prayer and get out of here 
he said, let's, let's make sure we address the issues happening right now. And because of that, she went, she told her town, and they came out because of her, not because of the, the disciples who knew who he was, because of this woman who everyone knew, because of her insistence, they came out and they heard the gospel. Many Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony where she said, he told me all that I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with him. And, and he stayed there for two days. And many more believed because of his word. They said to the woman, it is no longer because of you, of what you said that we believe, for we have heard for ourselves and we know that this is indeed the savior of the world. Now, I, I've got three points that we're going to close on out of this because three things happen when we love each other the way God has called us to because this woman, once she understood who Jesus was, she went and began declaring it. She just had a glimpse. She did not know about the cross. She did not know about the resurrection. She did not know about the ascension, but we see her in this moment respond to Jesus the way we all should. And three things happen out of this. When we love others the right way, it leads to the elimination of human agendas. At the start of the story, she's avoiding her community. At the start of the story, when she hears about living water, she says, that would be great. That would be great because then I wouldn't have to deal with my community ever again. I wouldn't have to come out to this well in the heat of the day and remember why I have to do this when no one else is around. And yet in this story, she leaves the water jar and she goes and declares to the people, someone knows all I ever did. Could this be the Christ? And her starting point to her finish point is a radical flip where Jesus, she's encountered his love and she's been changed. Out of that, we see a beautiful picture of the restoration of community because the people come out, they believe, and then look, they talk to her. They said, we started this because of what you said, because of your testimony, we believed. She's being affirmed by her people. She's being valued by her people. People who are believing because of her now know Jesus, and they're saying to her, this is because of you. But it doesn't stop there. The, the restoration of their community as they come to terms with who Jesus is leads to the exaltation of God by many, because many in the town believe. Many in the town believe. Because she didn't hear the message and run back into the town and go sit up in a room and say, that was really cool. She said, you all need to hear this. And many believe. And, and here is what they say. I just have to read again. It is no longer because of what you said that we believe. For we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this is indeed the Savior of the world. God, do you not remember? The Savior of the world. This moment, I know you're all thinking like, this, for God so loved the world that he sends only son that whosoever shall believe in him shall not perish but peace, have eternal life. That whole thing, this is the first time in the book of John people acknowledge that. And are they Jews? No. They're Samaritans because when they hear her message, when they hear what she has to say and come meet Jesus, they are the first people to declare it. And that would have been a radical thing. The Jews were right, but the first people who start declaring it that we see, the first people who speak it, 
are Samaritans. Because God loved the world. He didn't just love people who thought they were his people or who were his people. God loved the world, and his agenda and his mission was not just for one people. And when we set aside our human agendas, we're going to start to see the world the same way as he sees the world. The reason we don't share the gospel a lot of the time is because we are fearful. And it's a sign we don't understand how to love others the right way or else our human agenda would be set aside. The reason we sometimes fear sharing the gospel is because we worry that if we share the gospel, we will be broken in our communities. We will be rejected. We will see rejection. But that's because we don't understand the power of the gospel to truly restore communities. We, oh, I got finished this, and I got one last story, and then I'm all done. Um, and, and finally, it will lead to the exaltation of God by many. Because when you see these things happen, you can't help but praise God. Um, the, the place that we served at, the, the God town, they had this garden where it was a community garden where they care for their community. And they have these block parties where they feed whoever comes. And at some point, they started talking to this biker gang that has a bar there. And one of the guys at the biker gang became a believer. And he's like the head guy of this group. Um, and he became a believer. And during all this stuff with George Floyd and all this stuff that happened two years ago in the city... Um, one of the other things that happened was a lot of the, like, a lot of the pantries and places that low-income people could go to get food were being shut down because of COVID and were being shut down because they just didn't have the resources to manage them. And this guy became a believer, and he started telling all these guys under him, who are decidedly not Christian, started telling them, hey, we need to do something in this community. And while we were there, Kyle and I got to grill with some of the guys and hear little bits of their stories. But these guys are out there trying everything they can to feed their community. They, in a month, the, the guys said they do 35 tons of food that they distribute in their community, that they just work everything they can, call people and say, hey, we need food, we need resources. They work with the city. They have all of these things. And God is being glorified because this one man came to know Jesus. And he partnered them with this ministry that was already right there. And they're starting to see people from their gang that are coming to know the Lord. They're starting to see it spread out. And they're starting to see more and more people exalt the name of Jesus. The goal today is to celebrate what God did on the mission trip. But the goal today is to challenge all of you. If God is spirit, worshiping him in spirit and truth is not about the trip we just went on. It's about going out and telling people to come and see the God who knows all we ever did, who washed feet, who broke his body, who shed his blood, that we might be with him and reign with him for eternity. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you that you are so good. We thank you that you are so loving. We thank you that you do not leave us where we are. We thank you that your desire for us is that we could know you that we could love you. We thank you that we are known by you, and in knowing us, you love us. Father, I pray for all of us here. I pray for the kids that just went on the trip, the kids who just got baptized, who are declaring publicly your name to this body. I pray it would not be confined to these walls, but I pray that we would go out and we would declare your name everywhere we go. We pray we would tell friends and family random people we meet on the street, and anyone else we encounter about the goodness of you, about your love. We pray that we would, not, we would understand your love so much and be so filled with your spirit that we could not do otherwise. 
We thank you for the experience these kids had. We thank you for just the, the church supporting them to go. But Father, we pray that all of us would model this here, that we would model your love, that we would declare your love in this community, that we would see many people exalt you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. We'd love to invite you to stand one more time as you're able, and let's respond together in worship to this word that we have received today. together you are here you are here you're moving in our midst I worship you I worship you you are here you're working in this place I worship you I worship you. You are here. You are here. You're moving in our midst. I worship you. I worship you. You are here. You're working in this place. I worship you. I worship
never stop working, never stop, never stop working. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop, never stop working. You never stop, you never stop working. And even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't see it, you're working. You never stop, you never stop working. for worshiping here with us today. We pray that you would go now remembering who you belong to, who you are in God. Go now in faith to love and serve him. Have a blessed, blessed week in the Lord, and we will see you next Sunday.